Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Denny Burke to the podcast. Denny serves as a professor of biblical studies at Boyce College, the undergraduate school of Southern Seminary. He is also the president of CBMW, where he also serves in Louisville as an associate pastor at Kenwood Baptist Church. Denny, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Thanks for having me. Denny, it's great to be with you. We're here recording this in the context of T4G uh, in your town of Louisville. It used to be my town. And uh, man, it's great to, to get to visit with you. You're an old friend. You're a good friend. I always enjoy the opportunity to catch up and talk about life and theology and ministry and um, other things that come to mind. So thanks for joining me today. Well, it's a pleasure to be here for sure. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about Preaching Titus. And uh, over the last few months on my podcast, we begin to develop kind of a sub-series where I interview different people who have a particular knowledge of a particular book in the Bible. So maybe they've written a commentary on it, preached through it. There's some given expertise that they have, why uh, it's helpful for them to just talk through some of the, the major themes and contours of preaching this particular book of the Bible. So uh, we'll talk about Titus in a moment and your familiarity with it. But before we get to that, just give us an update on yourself, uh, your life, your family, your ministry. Uh, what's new with Dr. Denny Burke? Well, things are going well. Here at T4G, we, um, I'm the president of CBMW, as you mentioned, and yesterday we held a pre-conference, which was really great, well attended, um, trying to promote the Nashville statement in our ministry through CBMW, which was a consensus statement about sexuality and gender, and trying to encourage ministries and churches to consider this statement to adopt it or something like it. And so yesterday, uh, Link Duncan, Al Moeller, me, Sam Mulberry, we all um, participated in that and uh, made the case to the folks here, and uh, it was a, a fruitful meeting, I think. Good for you. And your family? They're doing well. Uh, Susan uh, is my wife, four kiddos. They are 11, 10, 7, and 5. Oh, that's great. And, uh, we uh, homeschool and kind of hybrid with some classes at a local private school. And your ministry at Boyce in Kenwood? Uh, at Boyce, I'm a teacher of biblical studies, and I'm teaching the Bible all the time, thinking about the issues that we're about to talk about all the time. And then also at Kenwood Baptist Church, um, it, we've got a really interesting arrangement there because uh, Jim Hamilton came on as senior pastor in 2009. And in 2011, I came on as associate pastor with a share of the preaching on Sunday mornings. And so I preach about one quarter of, of the time. And I'm preaching through any um, a book at, at a time, basically. I'm preaching a series at any given time. And uh, I did preach through the pastoral epistles here recently. Right now, I'm preaching through First uh, Corinthians. Oh, that's great. And your writing ministry, what's new? Obviously, you're an active blogger, but just tell us what's new on your, on your writing horizon. Well, later this year, I've got a commentary on the pastoral epistles coming out with uh, Crossway. There's a new series that Crossway's publishing, the ESV. Um, I think it's called Expository Commentary Series. It's a multi-volume approach, and so each volume is going to have multiple authors in it. But I've got the pastorals, pastoral epistles in there. And I was able to actually preach through the pastorals before uh, writing the commentary, finishing the commentary. So it was a, it was a wonderful process, and I'm grateful to have done both at this point. Good. Tremendous. Well, any other book projects on the horizon? Got a commentary on 1 Corinthians 
that I'm going to be working on. And Lord willing, hopefully, some uh, time off in the fall to work on that. So Good. So today we're talking about preaching Titus. You've already referenced this commentary you have coming out on the pastoral epistles. And uh, I guess what drew you to the pastoral epistles? What what has drawn you to the pastoral epistles and just their um, their their role in your life as a minister? I would love to hear. Well, the pastoral epistles are they're called that because even though it's not written to a pastor technically, um, it's written to someone who's in charge of appointing the pastors. So Timothy and Ephesus, Titus and Crete. Uh, Timothy and Titus are like apostolic delegates. And Paul is doing what he did in all of his churches that he set up, he's, he's, or, or that he had connections to. He would make sure that they had elders appointed. And he would have these delegates that would go in and set things in order. And so it's really, um, I wouldn't say it's a pastoral manual, but it is indispensable pastoral material about what it takes to be a pastor, what the qualifications are for a pastor, and then what it is that the pastor's role is within the church. And Paul sent Timothy and Titus to these churches to make sure that they found those kinds of pastors to confront some specific challenges that were happening in, happening in those churches. To me, they're so relevant for a number of reasons, but they hit on a, a lot of the issues that today are so uh, contested. How do you address false teaching within the church? We live in a culture in which um, some pulpits are vacuous in this regard. They will talk about things that they know people are uh, okay with. It can scratch itching ears, but they won't bring the confrontation that's necessary when different kinds of false teachings emerge within the congregation. That is a perennial pastoral challenge uh, to stay faithful right. to the good deposit uh, no matter you know what what challenges is emerging within the congregation, so um, also Paul is is very direct about gender issues, especially in First Timothy. In fact, one of the most contested, the most contested verse in the intramural evangelical debate over gender roles is in First Timothy, and I had written previously on on First Timothy chapter two and Paul's prohibition there. And um, so, so I've been looking at that for, for a long time as well. And that today is obviously another really salient issue among evangelicals, manhood and womanhood. So I've, I've had an interest in this just uh, as a scholar for a long time, but I've had an interest in it as a, as a pastor too. And uh, the, the experience of preaching through it though, and the discipline of applying this to your congregation is uh, I, I don't know how else to say this. It enriches even the writing of a commentary because you, you're thinking through um, the issues that the Holy Spirit wants you to think through for, for your people. So um, so it was a real blessing to preach through it. So the, the book of Titus in particular, what would you say, if, if you were to summarize the message of the book in a sentence, what would it be? Well, Paul is concerned about false teaching that's arisen in Crete, and he wants Titus to go and set things in order and to appoint elders and to confront the false teachers and to make, and to stand them down. So that's the main point of the book. And so he's telling them how to do that and to do that and then reminding them of the apostolic deposit that they have to, to teach. That's more than one sentence, I know, Jason, but um, 
that's that's basically the. the okay, we'll, we'll, we'll edit it down to one second yeah, for that's you. Yeah, right. You can edit, edit, edit <laughs> it. So, uh, but seriously, when I think of the pastoral epistles, I know how much they've meant to me personally. Man, God used them in my life to call me to ministry. I find myself going back to them on a, literally on a near daily basis. I love reading them. Um, as I as I traffic in the evangelical world and in the Southern Baptist world, I really don't hear that many sermons from the pastoral epistles. Now, in seminary, I do, because a lot of people come preach in chapel and they want to preach from Second Timothy or something, which is understandable. But it's almost as though, as I, as I look at the landscape, there's this, uh, this incongruence in that many pastors, most pastors, I would venture to argue, they have a real appreciation for the pastoral epistles. In some way, their call of ministry connects with them, that they can identify with Timothy, to whom Paul is speaking, etc. At the same time, they seem to not preach from them much because maybe they think this is more about the pastor, more about the elders, but this isn't so much about you know, the local church. Now, of course, we know that's not true, but, but I would like for you to give a little bit of an apologetic, a little bit of an exhortation as to why pastors should be preaching through and preaching from Titus in particular. I address this directly with our congregation because I think there is a temptation for people to look at this and to think, oh, look, qualifications for elders. When it comes time again for us to pick another elder, we'll read this verse and then it applies. That's the wrong way to look at this. The whole reason that he's putting forth qualifications for elders in their character is because they're supposed to be exemplary to the flock. In other words, these are the virtues that every single person in the congregation are supposed to be aspiring to and living out. And these are the men that are supposed to lead in that charge. But this is not uh, a set of characteristics, say, in the appointment of pastors. It just applies to pastors. It's what everybody in the church is supposed to be doing. And that's sometimes lost on folks. And so, you know, when I'm talking about what it means to be, I don't know, the husband of one wife or any, any number of the, the other uh, uh, qualifications for elders or pastors in the book of Titus, uh, I'm applying that to the congregation. And I'm saying, yeah, this is what you're looking for in, a, in your next pastor or your next elder, but it's also what you're looking for in yourselves. So there's a deep, uh, profound point of application in, in all of this, and it shouldn't be put in parentheses, ah, oh, this is the book for the pastors. No, this is the book for the God. Denny, let's pause just for a moment for a word of update from Midwestern Seminary. Midwestern Seminary's 81-hour Master of Divinity degree prepares you for ministry today and tomorrow. Midwestern Seminary's flagship degree program is our primary track for ministry preparation. Requiring only 81 credit hours, the MDiv program is an efficient option for students, equipping them to serve the church in pastoral ministry. Residential students will be trained in a unique community environment passionately focused on the local church. Online students can earn the full degree without leaving their current ministry context. Come be a part of one of the fastest growing seminaries in North America as we develop a new culture of discipleship devoted to the local church and committed to taking God's unchanging word into a rapidly changing world. Visit mbts.edu slash mdiv today. All right, I'm back with Denny Burt. We're talking about preaching through Titus. So as, as a minister or a preacher is getting ready to preach through Titus, um, what major themes or concerns exegetically, theologically, that a preacher should be aware of? Um, one concern coming into the book is the authorship of the book. And you'll... If you're a preacher and you're reading through commentaries and you're using those commentaries to prepare, what you're going to find 
is that it's widely known among New Testament scholars that the authorship of these books is disputed. Now, evangelicals have had this straightened out for a while. We generally agree to Pauline authorship because they're, they're said to have been written by Paul. And so any evangelical commentary that you look at is going to, you know, is going to grant that. But the issue that is here theologically. Do you allow this to be a, a part of the Pauline canon? In other words, do, do Paul's other writings um, inform your reading of these letters? And do these writings inform your reading of what, of what Paul says elsewhere? You say, well, why is that a big deal? Because there's so many commentators and scholars who are saying, no, you have to treat these as separate. And even sometimes within evangelical literature, they will bow to that uh, impulse. Even if they grant, even if they believe in Pauline authorship, um, they will still treat them as their this own distinct set of letters. And so they're looking at the book of Titus and they're saying, ah, yes, this is in parentheses from Paul's canon. And they don't allow the Paul's undisputed letters to speak into this in terms of interpreting it. Right. And that's problematic. Because if you're going to hold to Pauline authorship, it needs you need to hold to all the implications of that. So I, I doubt that listeners of your po podcast are questioning Pauline authorship, but I am saying that your hermeneutic and theological method to addressing these can be affected by uh, commentators you're reading who are not taking that to its logical conclusion, which is this fits within the larger uh, bit of, Paul, of Paul's canon. And, and just one practical way this plays out, um, just on the gender issue, for instance, um, people will say, ah, the authentic Paul, the undisputed Paul, uh, it would be in Galatians, right? Everybody agrees Paul wrote Galatians. Paul says there's neither male nor female in Christ. We're all one in Christ Jesus. That's the, that's the true Paul, the egalitarian Paul. But then we've got these other writings that he wrote where his authorship's disputed, like Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. Or like 1 Timothy, I do not allow one to teach or exercise authority in man. Or like Titus, um, these wives should be at home um, keeping house. In other words, he, he speaks about gender roles in some of these other letters. And so some, some theologians and, and Bible interpreters will set the undisputed Paul in Galatians against the disputed authorship of Paul in these letters and say, oh, the real Paul is over here. And I'm saying that we can't get into that kind of a, 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 con a contest, okay? What Paul wrote in Galatians is completely compatible with everything he says in, in, in the pastorals, and including Titus. So Paul's not contradicting himself there. And you would want to include the pastorals within the, the wider Pauline canon. So moving into the book proper, talk about other theological kind of themes to be mindful of, Denny. We talked about the gender issue. We talked about the qualifications of the elder. Talked about setting things in order to prevent, to prevent false doctrine. Any other kind of theological themes the preacher should be mindful of? Theological themes, uh, I'll tell you one thing. I don't, I don't know if I'd say it's a theological theme, but it, it's really, it's personal um, in the way that Paul tells Titus to relate specifically to different groups within the congregation. So when I preached through this, I spent a lot of a lot of time on that. You know, he says he said he tells Titus how to how to treat older men. He tells him how to treat older women, um, how to treat the younger women. Um, he tells him how to treat the the younger men. 
And it's interesting that he says, you have to take account of the congregation that you're responsible over. And you can't go up to these old men like they're your buddies, <laughs> um, like they're these young guys. Right. You've got, in other words, it's, it's a very personal book, and he's giving him very practical advice on how to, how, to, how to relate to these folks. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in the faith, in love, and in perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage their, the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. So there's a, there's a real uh, personal pastoral touch here in terms of how he's instructing Titus to relate to the congregation. Um, that means the world to me, it's like proverbial wisdom uh, for, for the pastor and actually for everybody in the congregation. Because again, the pastor's exemplifying how he's to relate to these different groups. And, and the congregation is, is, of course, to follow. Um, another theme in here in terms of, of theology is, is the grace of God. Um, he talks about the grace of God having appeared uh, to, to all men, teaching them to deny ungodliness and, and, and all of that. And he, he, what you see, I think, uh, encapsulated in, in, in those texts is the Pauline gospel of grace, that we're saved um, by grace, not by works and that it's a, a complete gift of God. And so those themes, are, I think, are developed more fully in some of the other books, but it's certainly present here in, in, the, book of, uh, in the book of Titus. And that's certainly undergirding everything else he's saying about um, how the pastors are supposed to lead, because it's, it, it's the gospel that they're supposed to be preaching. So as it relates to preaching the book, uh, any particular difficulties exegetically, is Pastors would work through it. Anything else to keep one's eye out for that, for instance, that's often misinterpreted or misunderstood? Well, the main thing I already mentioned, once you sort out the authorship issue, a lot of things follow from that. And because in, in the literature, it's like a fork in the road. Whether or not you accept that, that Paul wrote this, it's going to determine how this, this gets interpreted. So that's a big deal. Um, also, who, who are the opponents, the false teachers that he's, he is uh, trying to confront. I think you can get some sketches of who they are, but if we're listening to, it's like listening to one side of the phone conversation. You can, if you're listening to somebody talk on the phone, you can't hear the other person, you can just hear the person you're in the room with. You can deduce sometimes, to a certain degree, what the other people are saying at the other end of the line, but it's not a perfect science. And so you don't wanna, you don't wanna, you, we just have to recognize that limitation, but, know what you can know from the, the side of the conversation that you're listening to. Um, certainly, if Paul wrote this, this is not a second century document. Some people think it's a second century document. There was no full-blown Gnosticism or anything like that. So that certainly informs at least um, you know, that, that aspect of who we think he's confronting there. So um, all those issues are important in sorting out exactly what he's, what he's addressing. All right, Denny, man, time is flying by here, but just a couple other questions um, as we pull this together. And you've been very helpful, by the way. Thank you for the way you're fleshing this out. Um, just as you have written this commentary on Titus, on the pastoral epistles, any particular takeaways for you personally from the book? Well, one thing I, I do want to tell preachers, and I put this actually in the commentary, um, there's a little section in there under preaching through this. And this is a philosophy of ministry preaching that's larger than just the book of Titus. 
But you should preach through these books expositionally, and then I think you should preach through them verse by verse. In other words, um, there I think there's a real payoff. This isn't the book of Proverbs, okay? This right. is this is a Pauline letter. You ought to not just be dipping in and out of this. You ought to walk your congregation through this verse by verse. So yes, we always want in an expositional sermon the the message of the text to be the you know the, the main point of the sermon. But the way that you're going to do that is by taking your people through the argument and not sort of dipping in and out here and there. So I, I just encourage preachers, um, give yourself to that kind of exposition because that's the kind that's going to pay off, especially in these, in these Pauline letters. So for those that say, yes, I want to do that, and we hope all listening are saying, yes, I want to do that, uh, what are some resources? Some books, some commentaries will be helpful. Anything in particular comes to mind? Yeah. Well, I know this one commentary. Coming it's coming out soon. Yeah, I know. That's right. <laughs> so you can look for that in the ESV uh, Bible commentary that's coming out. Um, you know, one guy, this is an older commentary, but a commentary that I always go back to and really enjoy is George Knight's commentary. Okay. Uh, I, I just, George Knight... When you, when you write a commentary and people are still reading it this many years later, you've really done something. And he really thinks through all the exegetical issues. And even if I don't agree with him on, a, on an item, he's at least thought through it and wrestled through it thoughtfully. And even in the more modern commentaries that you read, they're all wrestling still with, with George Knight. So I use George Knight a lot. Um, and I, even though it's an older commentary, uh, I, still, I still really enjoy uh, his. So uh, I commend George Knight. Um, there are some authors that I'll read, some commentaries that I use that I don't agree with all their critical decisions, but I still use their expositions. For instance, I like I. Howard Marshall's commentary. He does not agree with Pauline authorship of, of the uh, pastoral epistles, but I still got some positive things out of it while interacting with a person who has the contrary point of view on that. So uh, those were really helpful uh, resources, certainly, on that. On pastorals. Tremendous. Denny, thank you for this conversation. Again, I do want to commend your forthcoming commentary. I've not seen it yet, but I know you well, and um, I know the work you do. So thank you for that effort, and thank you for the conversation today. Thank you for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, please visit my website, jasonkallen.com.